belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish. And right here we got Ben, Belly Smokes Hunter. How the hell are you, Ben? Not too bad, not too bad. A little technical difficulties on the first episode, but we're going to power through. All right. Well, we learned our lessons, so next time we'll be golden. We'll have to waste another 30 minutes connecting microphones and headphones. How you doing, Ben? How's that flight back from Michigan? Not too bad. Um, got a little too hammered on Sunday, so it was a rough Monday at work. A lot of uh, autopilot, but uh, we got some work done, and uh, the bosses didn't notice. Yeah. I feel that. I had a rough one myself on Monday, but starting to get it back together. It's a good weekend, though. Just wanted to kind of go over this. Ben and I decided to start this about a week ago. I've been thinking for a while about um, starting my own podcast. I started listening to podcasts about five years ago. Personally, I like to listen to something that's funny. I like listening to something with sports um, and mostly about the Detroit Lions. So, you know, I'll, I'll take in all these podcasts. And for the most part, I mean, you get the content that you want, but it's kind of like drinking a glass of watered down cement just tough and sits Real rough in the gullet. So, you know, I really was curdled uh, down in the belly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really easy. You know, you want to get your lion's news, but everything just sucks. So instead of waiting for somebody to do it for me, I decided to start it up myself. I know Ben for a while now. I thought I'd be the perfect guy for the job. For a little backstory, I am a, uh, I'm a kind of fading on the lion's. I moved to Tennessee about three years ago, and then as soon as I crossed the Mason-Dixon line, I did what most Lions fans do, and I grabbed a second team. It was a pretty good year to move down there. Uh, Derrick Henry's pounding the rock, and they won all the AFC championships, something that I had never experienced my entire life as an NFC Lions fan. You're still weighing in and about Derrick Henry, your weight? Um, I haven't checked what he's clocked in at, but I am firmly on the rise. Yeah, we are, uh, We've tried a little bit of everything. We've tried a going on multiple long walks a day, just thinking about the eclipse my gut is putting off the sun and cascading down the Koreans Boulevard here in uh, Nashville. But um, you know what? We're uh, hoping I get a little inverted and uh, maybe I'll give you some live updates week to week and see if I'm going to be mid-sized smokes in uh, a couple weeks, but um, yeah. we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I don't call you belly for nothing. I don't want to be changing your name to slim smokes. I like belly better. More fun that way. Uh, a lot of people tend to like the jokes. Plus, you were no fun when you weren't eating carbs. Yeah, I was a little sassy. And um, there is a high possibility that every time I bring up a player, I'll just tell you how many inches shorter or taller they are than me and then how much they are off my weight. And we'll keep it real that way. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get the weigh-in going next week. But let's get into it a little bit. I know we're a little late to the party here. You know, week one's already in the books. But wanted to go over quickly about um, some preseason predictions and also talk about Lions being featured on Hard Knocks. It was the talk of the summer, talk of the preseason. And, you know, I'm going to be honest at first when I heard they were coming on it, I, I didn't want them stealing all the secrets, but I mean, what the hell, like who wants to steal shit from the Lions anyways? I know I'm supposed to be the positive guy here, but Jesus, like if you're watching Hard Knocks to get your inside intel then you need to find another job, bud. Couldn't have said it better myself there, Corbin. <laughs> mm-hmm. But after watching that shit, God damn. Did it have me pumped for this season? I mean, you see that shit about like the biting kneecaps and you think like 
you know, this team is going somewhere. But once you actually get to see that behind the scenes footage and hear what the players have to say and see Dan Campbell really do his thing, holy shit, did I get a big old boner. <laughs> it's true. I uh, watched the first game of Corbin and you could see it from underneath the table. It started lifting up and drinks were spilling. Uh, well, that didn't happen for a while. We'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, back on track here. We'll talk about a couple of the big stars. I mean, if you haven't seen Hard Knocks by now, you got to get yourself a free seven-day trial or whatever the hell they got going on HBO and check that shit out. I mean, if you're a Lions fan or if you just want to get those juices flowing, God damn, was I looking forward to every Tuesday night or whenever the hell they had it on. And um, that is our first official free plug of the day for HBO. Yeah, HBO, hell of a place to watch Hard Knocks. You're welcome, yeah. HBO. Oh, yeah. We'll get them on eventually. Once we take this rocket ship and set sail into space, they'll be begging for us to take them on as a sponsor. You can see it now. We'll get our own damn show. Who knows? That's the dream there, Corby. <laughs> it's a big one, but we're going to get there. Yeah. Well, got to shoot for the stars. But anyway, speaking of stars, we got a couple of highlights from Hard Knocks. The biggest story, I would say, is Malcolm Rodriguez, a.k.a. Rodrigo, our six-round draft pick out of Oklahoma State. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the memes, I've se you've seen the tweets, you've seen the salsa dancing, but I want to talk about that cowboy hat. I mean, holy shit, when he went into that store, whoo, he's looking good. And he wore that to the first game, too. That was a hell of a walkout outfit when he was coming up there. Is um, that why uh, at the wedding this weekend you were rocking a uh, cowboy hat in unity? Yeah, no, I mean, he must have seen it on my Instagram or something, but kind of started that trend before him, believe it or not. That was back in Memorial Day, but... Cowboy hat's a good look. Ladies love that shit. And in a stunning turn of events, Malcolm Rodriguez is one inch taller than me in the exact same weight. That is a man after my own heart. Oh, that's not bad. You're getting down there then. He's not a big guy. I think he's like 225, 230, something like that. I thought you were coming I'm in. 5'11", 230. So I kind of lied to you. He's five pounds lighter. <laughs> Probably way faster too. <laughs> I, I was putting you up like 250, 260. So I guess I overshot it. I haven't lifted you up lately or bashed my head up against your gut. So I guess it's kind of tough to get a feel for it. That's how most people gauge it. <laughs> uh, but Rodrigo, I mean, he was really the star of camp. Coach Kelvin Shepard, uh, first year linebackers coach, had a lot of high remarks. There was one episode, two or three or something like that, where you know, he said that uh, a coach hadn't seen him make a linebacker play like that in five years. And that would, of course, be Hank Fraley because everybody got the fuck out once Patricia got ran out of town. He was the only guy who actually stuck. So you could pretty much eliminate it and figure out it was coming from Fraley. So it's a big compliment for a six-round rookie. I mean, when, I, when he first got drafted, I'm going to be honest, I had no fucking clue who the guy was. You know, I was kind of looking for the Lions to take someone first, second, third round, somewhere around there, and they just – let it pass and it's looking like they got a steal. I mean, he's one game in, but you know, just based on what I've seen, I mean, the guy knows how to tackle. He's a former wrestler. I mean, he can just throw men around and we'll get into that a little later too, but you know, there was a college highlight. I can't remember the team he was placing or playing, but he just uh, grabbed this lineman and just like hip tossed him right over. And so I was like, damn, this guy could be something, but enough. That's about moving him. the big boys around. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to use that weight to his advantage. Something you're familiar with. <laughs> we'll talk about Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, the first of two first-round picks for the Detroit Lions this past year, the University of Michigan man. <sighs> you got any thoughts on him before I get into it? Because I got some thoughts. 
Well, as we all know, we are both uh, proud Michigan State Spartans. So mm, go green, baby. When you first see him, uh, you know he was at the top of the board. You knew he was going up there. Um, I mean, what can you say? He's he's a good, damn good player. Um, and then he's God just got some. Player. He's just got some sweet, sweet pipes on him. Listening yeah. to sing Billy Jean just made me want to hit the karaoke. Yeah. Well, you follow him on Instagram too. The dude is just fucking shredded, man. I mean. He was on my radar this year, not so much last year, but I mean, it was a tough game against Michigan and um, Spartans duked it out. You watch him against Ohio State, Georgia. I mean, he was on the national spotlight this year. Obviously a, a Heisman candidate. I think he finished second, second place in the Heisman. But, you know, obviously, you know, being a Michigan guy, I, I didn't like him at first. But, you know, like just realizing he's going to be the number one pick in the draft and how fast he rose up and how terrific of a season he had at Michigan. I came around on him. You know, there was a couple of guys who were on my radar, mostly him and Thibodeau for the uh, the entire offseason, but, you know, kind of settled in on Hutchinson, accepting that was going to be the pick once uh, Trayvon Walker was reported going number one overall to the Jaguars. You know, and I was not disappointed. I mean, the guy is going to be a fantastic player. There's no denying that. I mean, watching him on hard knocks, you know, not only can he sing and dance Michael Jackson, but I mean, he's a smart guy. He's an intelligent guy. He's clearly a hard worker. Campbell and the coaches are raving about him. You know, he's coming in week one as the starter. I mean, you know, the guy's no slouch. <sighs> as good of a player he's going to be, there's just and, some uh, things. How how long after you saw the clip of him singing Billy Jean did you fire up the website and buy one of those fine looking jerseys, Corbin? To be honest, I probably bought that jersey the day that he announced he was number 97 and everybody says, you know, don't go buying these numbers. It's just, pre you know, it's just training camp. They might change it. But I mean, he was 97 at Michigan. He's 97 for Detroit. Like that shit's going to stick. Like he's 97. Yeah. But you I know, almost like, think that uh, when you get a Jersey and then the guy changes his number, that's, that's a rare object. There can't be that many in the world when, uh, when he changes that early in the season, but he's sticking with it for now. Yeah, well, nobody's going to know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, I think Jameson Williams was like 18, and I was like, oh, 81 backwards, like Calvin Johnson. Like, that's fine. And then he changed to Matthew Stafford, and I have my own opinions on that. Personally, I think it should be retired, but. <laughs> well, I think, it's hard to, I think it's hard to retire a number when the guy's still in the league. I don't know, I don't know how that works personally, but uh, we'll see yeah, when nobody hangs it up and what happens. Well, nobody's wearing number 81. It's a respect thing. I mean, he's the best quarterback in franchise history, no doubt. He just went on and won a Super Bowl. I know it's with another team, but I'm going to be a fan of his for the rest of my life. You know, it is what it is. I mean, he reached out and asked permission. So, you know, I'm okay with it, I guess. I just, you know, wish I could have seen Stafford. It's number nine, hanging up in the rafters one day. I guess that remains to be seen. Maybe he'll retire as a Ram and I'll cry. But enough about him. He's off the team. This is a Lions podcast. We'll keep it focused. Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a fucking beast. I can't wait to see him for the rest of the season. He's going to do great things. But I don't know. I mean, there's still like a couple of things that, you know, rub me the wrong way in hard knocks. I mean, the ice bath thing, you know, when he was kind of talking with uh, Obina as a, the, the undrafted tackle out of TCU originally from Memphis, you know, the guy is, he came from Africa and only played football for seven years, a couple of years in high school, four years in college, you know, and he's just dogging them for choosing Memphis over Alabama and LSU and Michigan, you know, but I mean, he liked the coaching staff. That's what he said. Like, give the guy a break. 
<laughs> it's in a true Michigan fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My thoughts exactly. And you know, you see the family up there with like the Hutch merch and stuff, and I get it, it's for the brand, but I mean, who the hell is gonna buy one of those things? You know, like just buy the jersey. Do what I did. I'm not buying a fucking quarter zip that says Hutch on it. <laughs> but of course I'll retract all these statements if his sister Aria could just send me a DM. That'd be great. I'll take everything I said back, delete the episode. Nobody has to hear this. <laughs> Even just a simple hi will do my man okay. Yep, that's good. That's all I need. And then last star of the show, definitely Jamal Williams for me. I mean, he wasn't really featured too much in the last few episodes. Um, but in that first episode, the piss like a puppy or stay on the porch and let the big dog eat. I mean, holy shit. What did you think about it? Um, I didn't watch it. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? You know what? I got a little tied up. Uh, it's episode one, as we said. I'm still working through the episodes. Uh, got a little sidetracked on some... Uh, um, just trying to drink water, stay alive after the weekend. So, you know what, I'm catching up still and I'll get there and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Hard Knocks into episode four. I hope not, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the page you're on, we're probably going to have to start next season or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the videos circulating around Twitter, but I mean, he got emotional, you know, he wants what's best for the team. Campbell opened up breaking down the end of practice. He got emotional. Jamal came in afterwards and, you know, rah rah the troops, and he got emotional too. I mean, damn near brought a tear to my eye. I probably rewound that one scene probably four or five times the first time I saw it because I was in awe. And, you know, that's exactly what we need to get the people going and change the culture. You know, I mean, we need some dogs out there. I mean, he said it himself, and he likes saying that. We need some dogs. Dogs got to eat. Mm. But enough about him. We'll get into some of the cuts. Khalil Pimpleton, Central Michigan grad, also a Muskegon big red close to hometown. He was a hell of a juggler, that's for sure, but he did not make the cut. Surprising, the Lions are actually pretty deep at receiver this year, so I kind of expected that the entire time. I mean, he was an entertaining cast member of Hard Knocks. Sad to see him go. And then you got uh, Obina Ezzy. He was another star of Hard Knocks who did not make the cut. Um, had an emotional uh, exit interview, I guess you'd call it, with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Um, he was brought back to the practice squad after all. Um, the one thing that he did turn and say, which he didn't have to do, was once he was walking out of the room, he came back and just said, I appreciate what you guys are doing. The whole team sees what you're doing, too, to change this culture and to respect players and let them be who they are. That's something that we haven't had in a long time. You know, that's why they brought Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes in. So, I mean, it's kind of nice just to get that validation and hear a guy who's only been there for a few months speak so highly of the coaching staff and, uh, and uh, the general manager. And then going, the back, last... going back to uh, team turnaround, um, I will say that uh, going back to uh, my past love for the Lions, uh, not that Stafford was ever the problem, but there was a time to move on. And I believe that uh, the package they got for him was worth it. And now we got a nice young core. I think we're going to roll with Jared Goff until uh, next year and hopefully grab someone uh, at quarterback and keep this young train rolling. Well, that's a hope. We'll see how we do. We got a long season ahead of us. And, you know, it's not looking pretty so far. Not the best start, but we'll see what we can do for the rest of the season. You know, we need some moral victories and we'll get into that. But 
Last guy I wanted to talk about real quick was David Blau. I mean, good fucking riddance, man. The backup quarterback situation has been an absolute shit show. Him and Tim Boyle get lost, kick rocks. Not sad to see you go. You know, he's just a big Christian and doesn't swear, and that shit just pisses me off. I mean, I want my quarterback to swear and have some fire and get pissed. He's just like, oh, what the heck was that? No, I want to see you cussing out these D linemen and cussing out these receivers. Have some fire. Shitty part about that was he ended up going to the Vikings. They cut Kellen Mond, who I actually like coming out of college, but they bring David Blau on to steal the secrets from the Lions. So, you know, maybe somebody does want something from us, I guess. But goodbye to him and welcome into that Indiana guy. Can't even remember who he is. Um, Nate Sudfield? Yeah, Nate Sudfeld. Welcome, Nate. We're glad to have you. It's not a tough bar to be the QB, too, when you had those two assholes representing us all camp. But um, let's just hope, let's just hope golf doesn't go down. All things considered. <laughs> so, what do you think about these two uh, these quotes that I've got here? I rallied up some of the best Dan Campbell quotes from camp. Dr- you didn't? Did you hear the quote about dragging them out into the abyss and drowning them? Um, that's some cold calculated murder, which is some fire we need. Yeah. Well, that was episode one, the very opening scene, and that really just kind of set the precedent for what was coming for the rest of the season. So that was one of my favorites. But I did see Mel Tucker post a video about um, the like about deep water and its origin story in 2021. So I think he's trying to take some credit. I don't know what's true. Maybe Dan took it from him. Maybe a little plagiarism going on there. Regardless, at the time, it, it gave me goosebumps. It really got me going and got me pumped for the season. And then he also said, I don't care if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. Just another (laughs) classic Dan Campbell quote. Holy shit, that one was awesome. I don't know how he comes up with this stuff, but he's got a hell of a mind on him. Sometimes I'd like to, uh, I mean, I never like to get into a bar fight, but I'd like Dan Campbell behind me just spouting nonsense. And then I'm thinking, this guy's crazy enough to take me down. Nobody is fucking with you if you have Dan Campbell standing behind you. I would turn and run away as fast as I could and never look back. Actually, I'd I probably shake him. his hand first because he's a hell of a coach. But after that, I did see him it. doing up downs with the defense, the offense. Who was he doing up downs with in uh, episode one? The whole team, everybody in camp had to do those up downs, and he fell down the stairs and hurt his wrist, and he was doing it. But he's got <laughs> some real. That's what he preaches. A real Tyler May right there. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got no grit. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> Last, I already talked about the Jamal Williams emotional speech, but then he called Josh Reynolds the fourth or third wide receiver on the Rams. Their trash is our treasure. And he actually has had a pretty good camp, but he called him the serpent of fucking death. What kind of nickname is that? Again, just a hell of a mind on Dan Campbell. The last one was uh, his very final speech, the very final scene in Hard Knocks, the HBO Ammerman producers, whoever was, they're asking all the coaches, the 2022 Detroit Lions will be and they would say gritty or competitive or they will fight. And then Dan Campbell gets asked that question. The 2022 Detroit Lions will be, and he pauses for like a minute, and he looks like he's about to tear up. He's stroking his beard. I'm like, wow, this is about to be the best quote yet. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for us. It was a legitimate one-minute wait. And then he just says, the Detroit, the 2022 Detroit Lions will be the team that they can and will. I was like, well, that was pretty uneventful. I mean, I guess it makes a little more sense thinking about it, but I was really hoping for like, a, I don't know, like I have a dream speech out of them or something. But that'll wrap it up for Hard Knocks. Just wanted to go over some quick things about the preseason. 
we went one and two. Who gives a shit about the preseason? We beat the Colts. We lost to the Steelers and to the Falcons. You know, a relatively close game against the Falcons. Don't really care about that. Not a big deal. Not going to show up in the record books. The year that we went 0-16, we went 4-0. So that's how much that means. But I was talking shit to Zaire Franklin on Twitter. Do you know who that is? He's the Colts, like, second linebacker behind Shaquille Leonard. And you got a response? No, no response. No, he didn't acknowledge Ah. me. But there was uh, (laughs) some videos going around Twitter about Jamal Williams and Zaire Franklin just going one-on-one in drills. Uh, Jamal Williams was running some routes, and Zaire Franklin was, uh, you know, covering him. You know, I thought that Jamal Williams beat him on all three reps. And you could see he was a little salty about it because he commented on Twitter on the video and just said, only in the league can a bum lose three reps in a row and still yell like he won. Crying laugh emoji. Hope you're ready to cry about another losing season, champ. So I commented, you lost all three reps, chump. The Lions are about to take the NFL by storm and you will eat your words. You got your ass kicked and come Tuesday night, the whole world will see too. You're just rattled because Jamal made you look like a JV player. No response. I am kind of concerned about him coming after me to kick my ass somehow because I would definitely, you know, run away from the guy as fast as I could. But what I really wanted to say was, you lost all three reps, puss boy. The Lions are about to take the NFL by storm and you will gargle my balls. You got your ass kicked and come Tuesday, the whole world will see too. You're just rattled because Jamal made you look like a certified bitch. (laughs) That would be a little too much. He would definitely come for me. You know, it's kind of fun to be a Twitter troll. Um, I made a burner probably about a year ago, just had the whole account ready to go. And I never actually ended up doing anything with it. I probably, it's still out there somewhere, but you know, I have fun just kind of making some comments and stuff and, you know, trolling some of these guys. Nobody's ever actually came after me, but you know, I'll get like 10, 15 likes and I feel like I'm hot shit. So it's pretty cool to just go after some of these guys and, some of the public sides with you, at least. Nobody's really came at me too hard. Posting on a whim and getting 15 likes, it's not bad, especially with just randos commenting on it and whatnot. It's Elon's bots. He's giving me some love. I'm okay with that. Definitely at least 10 of Elon's bots, five yeah. of my other burners. Yeah. <laughs> you still got the Zach Moss burner going? Of course, I still got the Zach Moss burner going. <laughs> it was uh, very encouraging to see him get the touches, but... We need to turn that into some points if uh, that Twitter is going to take off. Well, the reason, just a backstory here, the reason why I made this burner account in the first place was because Ben was getting sick of going to bat for me. Whenever I really wanted to say some shit to somebody, I would just have him fire up the burner account and just go and rattle some cages. Nine times out of ten, it was Michigan State, Michigan, and people had to have been wondering, why is this guy that's a huge Utah and Zach Moss fan just really on this side? I, you know what? It worked for me. I had had some laughs. That's fun. And uh, we'll see when he shows up again. Yeah. We'll get you on a couple of these tweets. I'll, I'll call it when I see it. So I think that'll do it for hard knocks and the preseason. Let's get to some predictions here. So before the Eagles game, I made these predictions. I have a list right in front of me here. I have the Lions going 11 and six. The Vegas line over under is set at six and a half. I think we smoke that over. Realistically, you know, I think there's 12 winnable games on there. And, you know, with Dak going down this week, I think that's another one that kind of pops up. I know he's kind of four to six weeks. So his first or second game back might be against us. But Russell Wilson had a similar injury last year. So he wasn't quite the same. So I think that pops up. Realistically, I think that we could get 
go nine and eight, eight and nine, hover right around 500 and, you know, be in the hunt at the end of the year and end up just barely missing, setting the table for a nice 2023 year. What do you got? I, however, have a different opinion on the matter. Um, One, I think that the Lions need to lose as many games as possible so that they come in last to get a nice draft pick and replace the quarterback. Um, However, I believe that they are going to win four games. I think, once again, my uh, prediction of slamming Lions uh, plus points and then the other team money line is going to do well for the over-under for my sake. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going four games. That's fucking horseshit. I mean, you point to the the four games that you think that we're going to win. Are you looking at the schedule? Uh, yeah, I can pull it up. Four games that we are going to win. I believe that we are going to beat the Seahawks at home. That's one. Um, I think if Jerry Jerry Jones is downplaying Dak's injury. They think he's going to be back before four weeks, which is right when he plays the Lions. So either way, I think Dak's going to be back by then. But you had a good point about Russell Wilson. Um, I think we're going to take the Jaguars at home. That's two the Jets away and the Panthers away. And that is my four wins. I don't think you could be any more wrong. I'll just go through and entertain you with some of my optimism here. I did have the Eagles penned in as a a big loss. Didn't really think we had a chance, exceeded my expectations. I've got the commanders as a W AKA the commies. Then we got the Vikings. That's a loss. I have the whole NFC North just going three and three. I just kind of had the home game circled as a win. Could go either or, but I think we'll, you know, split in the division, go three and three. Vikings away, loss. Seahawks at home, win. Patriots in Foxborough. I have that as a win. We've got our bye, and then we've got the Cowboys. I originally had that circled as a loss, but that's a firm maybe for me at this point. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how Dak so you're progresses. Up to, you're up to 10 now? You're up to 10 wins now? Mm, right now I have three, and I had Cowboys as a loss. So I have a... Three and two into the bye, and then a loss to the Cowboy to Cowboys to go five hundred. Then we've got the Dolphins at home. I have that as a win. Packers at home. I have that as a win. In Chicago against the Bears, that's a loss. Then we're at Giants. I have that as a win. Versus Bills, Thanksgiving Day. Do I need to answer that? We're gonna lose that game. That's a given. Then we've got home against Jaguars as a win. Home against Vikings, win. At Jets, win. At Panthers, win. Home against the Bears, win. So that is a five-game win streak I have us going into the end of the season. And then week 18 at the Frozen Tundra in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we have that as a loss. I don't know, man. I think that it could go a lot of different ways. I think that all of those games that I have as wins, you know, that's kind of best-case scenario. But, you know, even if 50% of those fall to us, I think, you know, we could go seven, eight, nine wins. I think that's a little bit more realistic, but regardless, I think we're going over six and a half. I think that's a really safe bet. I mean, just watching the team, they pass the eye test. It was week one. There's no eye test after one week of football. It's a small sample size. I'll give you that, but I've already placed a sizable wager on the lions over six and a half regular season wins. So I put my money where my mouth is. I'll see you do the same. What is it about twelve bucks? <laughs> Don't be unit shaming me now. No, it's twenty bucks. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, okay. So preseason predictions are over. Let's start talking Eagles. I'll just uh, preface this with some of the injuries that we had coming into the week. Halapuli Vadi Baitai, 
Yes, I practiced that name pronunciation probably at least 10 times before I got it right. I had to Google it and everything. He's our starting right guard. He uh, suffered a back injury against the Steelers, got moved to IR. At first they said no surgery, but he did just have surgery, and it's possible he's going to be sitting out the whole season. Coaches have some optimism about that, but I have my doubts. I'm planning on him missing a significant amount of time, maybe coming back at the end. And then Frank Ragnow was also on the injury report with a groin injury. He was limited all the way throughout uh, practice last week. He did ultimately play. That was great because losing our all-pro center and arguably our best offensive lineman would be a huge bitch to overcome. Probably would have impacted Swift's performance significantly. On top of that, we had Tommy Kramer, the guy who was supposed to fill in for a Halapuli Vadi Vitae. I'm going to start calling him Vitae from now on just to make it easier. Tommy Kramer was supposed to fill in for Vitae, and he came up on the injury report with a back injury. He was ruled out. Um, Dan Campbell during the week, he was kind of switching out some, di- trying out some different combinations on the offensive line, including moving Rag now over to right guard, bumping Penny Sewell over to right guard, having Evan Brown at center. He did a whole bunch of stuff, but ultimately they went with Logan Stenberg. I think it was our third round draft pick uh, about two, three years ago out of Kentucky. He was a big road grader and wasn't really known for his proficiency and pass protection and that showed throughout the game we will discuss that i've got some thoughts on one play in particular also levi anzarike from washington um he was moved to ir he'd pretty much sat out all camp so you knew that there was something going on there afatu melifanwu our corner who switched positions over to safety and julian aquara returned to practice last week they were limited throughout practice but ultimately were ruled out so we did kind of get lucky dodging some injuries throughout camp and through the preseason with the exception of Vitae. That was a, you know, a big loss, but ultimately if one guy on that offensive line is going to go down, I'm happy that it was him. Um, he's the most replaceable, not going to lie. And we have some good backups in place on the interior to fill in. So we gave Stenberg the nod, uh, hoping he would do well. So the line opened at uh lions plus three and a half as dogs closed at five and a half. The Lions did end up covering. I also took the Lions to cover. So they are 1-0 and against the spread. Still chasing that first win, but we're a Vegas darling. Last year, the Lions lost uh, to the Eagles 44-6. to Probably the biggest loss that we had the entire season. Um, and this year, we only lost 38-35. to So Eagles roster is definitely improved from last year. And that's pretty encouraging to see. I think the tale of the entire game was Philly just ran all over us. They had Gainwell, Sanders, and Boston Scott. They all scored a touchdown. And then you got Jalen Hurts to worry about, too. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted on the ground. He was escaping all of our pressures. He was running for first downs. He could. He just did it with his legs. I mean, there was no stopping the guy. We really had no answer for him all game. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to stop the run. And I never thought that Philly was going to be – everybody's buying into this Jalen Hurts hype and they think they're going to be amazing. I still think they're not quite past the middle of the road. Who knows, man? Once again, the week one eye test. I don't think we're going to learn a lot until we see what happens week two. Um, Not ready to buy in, but definitely firm believer in stopping the run Um, and giving up that many touchdowns to the running backs. I don't think Miles Sanders is that good. I don't think Gainwell is that good. They're probably outside easily the top 15. So once we take on some good running backs, it's going to be trouble. 
Yeah. I mean, I think Miles Sanders, you know, he's not elite, but I think he's pretty good. He was solid. I liked him as a prospect coming into the draft, but him and Jalen Hurts both had over 90 yards. Can't have that. I thought that we did apply a lot of pressure on Hurts, but we just weren't really able to come up with any sacks. I don't know the exact amount of pressures, QB hurries that we had or anything. We had one sack that came from Tracy Walker, but you want to see some more pressure, some better containment. And we really just had no answer for him. You got to get to the quarterback. You can't give him time. He definitely was launching the ball to A.J. Brown. So pass rush, another problem with the Lions. Well, I mean, outside of A.J. Brown, though, nobody else really did anything. I mean, Devonta Smith, their first-round pick last year, zero catches. He was irrelevant. I think Goddard had 60-something yards. You know, he was pretty much a non-factor. But A.J. Brown is just a man amongst boys. There was this one play I remember. I think it was Will Harris. He uh, A.J. Brown caught a pass over the middle, and Will Harris is just getting dragged by A.J. Brown like a little elementary kid playing against a high schooler. I mean, he just had no business going against him. And I remember him making plays like that when he played for the Titans, too, just dragging a guy into the end zone. So the guy's got some strength. Amani Awari, cornerback one, he whipped, completely whiffed on a jam. I think it was on a third down, too, and that would have been a critical stop. A.J. Brown just sidestepped him and... Hertz tossed it up. He came down with it. Uh, but on the po- on a positive note, Jeff Okuda, he's looking pretty damn good coming back from that injury. Missed all of last season, basically. Um, you know, coming back from Achilles, it's no easy feat. I feel like people are – I don't know what's up with the, the rehab process, but Achilles aren't what they used to. You had Cam Akers come back in a, less than a year. Okuda, pretty much about the same timeline there. He was James Robinson came back, and he's doing James fine Robinson. now. Yep, yep. But Okuda had a pretty good game. I mean, you didn't really see him make any errors. I think he finished with 10 tackles. So he was pretty physical. I mean, they were really running the ball. So that was kind of his only time to shine. But you didn't see him get beat much at all. I'd have to go back and, you know, completely watch the tape. I was kind of focused on our pass rush and our D-line because Hutchinson was kind of the star of the show for me. But, you know, I thought Okuda did pretty well, all things considered, first game back in over a year. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of controversy surrounding Okuda when we took him, when we did. I can't remember exactly how many years ago. Everybody thought we should have traded down, and then that injury didn't help. So it's definitely nice to see him bounce back and have a decent game. Yeah, but, I mean, everybody wants to trade down. It's tougher than you think. All offseason, you know, he was the one of the best prospects coming out. I don't even oh, think yeah. that he had a touchdown reception against him all of college. So I wasn't mad about the pick. I kind of expected it. He was mocked there, and, you know, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. Another guy who had a really nice highlight was uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. We talked about him a little earlier. I said I would get back to it. I mentioned that college hip toss, and he had another one against none other than Jason Kelsey, the all-pro center for the Eagles, Super Bowl champ, future Hall of Famer. Eagles were down at the goal line. Kelsey was assigned to block Malcolm, and that was a bad idea. Did not go well for him. Looked like he had him beat. He was pushing him into the end zone. And then all of a sudden, Malcolm dips those hips and just tosses him right over the shoulder like a little baby girl. He hit him with the old MMA hip toss. It was great to see that big body mm-hmm. tumble. I think they felt the gravity all the way in Grand Rapids. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Off the Richter. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't even notice it in the game. It wasn't until like the next day I saw the video pop up. And I was like, damn, I can get used to this. So he's looking good. He's looking to party at a nice tackle for loss against Miles Sanders on a, a screen pass on the outside. Good open field tackle. Did a little salsa dance. I think that's going to be a thing for him. 
We've got Jared Goff. Let's talk about him a little bit. When when we were together watching the game, you saw me hanging my head pretty low, and that was mostly due to Jared Goff. Other than that first drive, I mean, I was pretty pumped after that first drive, not going to lie. I was like, damn, my hopes are getting up, and I always try and temper my expectations because usually when good things start to happen and I start to feel a positive, like we're going to be something, bad things happen, and inevitably they did. Uh, Goff had a shit first half. There's no way to sugarcoat it. You know, like first couple drives, I feel like he was knocking off some of those cobwebs. He had one drive in the preseason to kind of warm him up, get him tuned up. I think we had three, three and outs in a row, and then he threw a pick six. I mean, you can't have that. It was, you know, one good drive and then four terrible ones. But I do not completely put that interception on him because, as I mentioned, with Vitae out, Stenberg was filling in. And he just got completely beat by the defensive tackle. He came through essentially untouched, pressure up the middle. And Goff just tried to get rid of it too soon. He panicked and tried to hit Hawkinson before he had made his break. Threw it right to the cornerback, who brought it back in for a touchdown. Can't have that. And we had some first half drops too. It definitely didn't help. You know, a lot more to be desired in that first half from Goff. The the late game surge was a redeeming quality for him, but I mean, you can't be going 21 and 37 and your passing game is only 215 yards. Um, looking at that, seeing that there were 35 points with only 215 passing yards from Jared Goff kind of is wild. But he did spread the ball around, uh, hit six different receivers um, for the 215 yards. So that's not bad because I didn't even think the Lions had six receivers. I mean, it's Jared Goff, though. We uh, we got him in the trade with Stafford, um, basically a rental until his contract expires so we can get a replacement in there. So, I mean, all things considered, we could have someone like uh, the neck over from the Giants. What's that, guys? The Mike Glennon? Is it Mike <laughs> yeah. the neck Glennon? Yeah, so, but you know Davis, what? Me, Davis Mills is the new Mike Glennon. Over Mike the neck Glennon, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his throne's kind of been usurped. Because, I mean, have you seen the neck on Davis Mills? He's a goddamn brontosaurus. Ooh. I'm telling well, you, check it out. Does he have the strength of a dinosaur, though? I don't know. He had a pretty good game. He's he's not looking bad. Yeah, and I it's saw that Brandon bad. Cooks, Brandon Cooks, Jelly Brain, still making catches and still making plays. Nobody yeah, wants I, that guy on his team, and he's still killing it. I've been saying it. Wide receiver one, Brandon Cooks, <laughs> underrated. <laughs> Just to tag off what you said, I do think that Goff did rebound really well after that pick six. He started to show some of that grit that Dan Campbell wants on his team. He started to take shots downfield before he's just doing like short stuff, dump off kind of stuff, you know, not really taking any chances. But once he did, and, you know, once the Eagles started to respect our run game, things started to open up for him that, you know, the one pass that really comes to mind is that touchdown pass, our last touchdown to DJ Chark, just back shoulder, back of the end zone, just a perfectly placed ball. And that really almost put us back in contention, you know, one stop and we would have been right in it. And I really credit golf for that. And, you know, he did show some fire, too. He ran the ball for a first down, you know, third and eight or something like that. He took off and, you know, dropped his shoulder down, got that first down for us. There was another play where there was an offsides on the defense. Defense came running through, put hands on Goff, and he got chippy with him. You know, he he wasn't quiet. He didn't, you know, tuck tail and get back in the huddle. He let him know, like, don't fucking touch me, man. So that's what I want to see, something that David Blau certainly wouldn't have done. The blow. What team's yeah. he on now? Vikings. Oh boy. Yeah, like I said, they're trying to steal our secrets. Maybe people are interested. They want to know I, what's going on in the D. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't touch that guy with a 10-foot pole. I remember he came in last year, played one good game, and typical Lions fan, he's not that bad. No, he's bad. He's really bad. You got to hang your head on something. You can try and bend it and twist it as much as you want, but yeah, I mean, I know he's shit. Like I said, good riddance. I don't want him. Not sad to see him go. Now we got the sud. We got the suds, dude. Nate Sudfield. Mm-hmm. He's going to be all right. But you know what? If we are starting Nate Sudfeld or any other backup quarterback for that matter, the season's over. We need Goff to do well. It all is on Goff's shoulders. It's really what it comes down to. And, you know, like I said, I think that he he did rebound a bit. And that's something that I'm taking away from this game. And that's something that I'm bringing over into this game against the commies. I think that's going to be kind of the difference maker for us. So enough about Goff. Talk too much about him. Like I said, he's been the talk of the offseason. I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse with that. We know how he did. You mentioned the receivers a little bit. We had some drops. Amon Ra had a couple as well. I think pretty much every receiver had a drop. Jamal had one. Hawkinson had one. But the one thing I did want to mention, too, is Amon Ra St. Brown has had his fifth straight game with eight or more receptions and a touchdown, which ties a record with TJ Hoosmanzada. And he did it his rookie year. And there's a couple other records that are out there. He's tied with like three other people, but I think that's pretty impressive. He really did have a great season, uh, end of the season last year. It's carried over into this year. We'll hope he keeps it going. Want that Who the hell is TJ Zada From the Bengals. I don't remember that guy at all. Dude, he was with Ocho Cinco. Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess he was a pro bowler. 12 touchdowns and 112 receptions. Yep. Yeah, Hawkinson, I mean obviously not his best game i mean with a tight end you're not you're not going to be travis kelsey every single game i still think he's you know a top five six tight end in the league with a great future ahead of him it's a contract year for him so i do expect him to have a big year we just really couldn't get anything going until the second half in the past game so i'm looking for him to have a good game against the uh the commies this week what is it about the second half that just makes teams want to play better when they're down they're just well, like on you, autopilot until they're losing, and then they're like, oh, well, I guess we have my start making some plays. Well, you got Dan Campbell to light a fire under your ass. He's probably got, <laughs> you know, a very profound speech every single game ready to go for him because he anticipates being down. I would probably just be scared and thinking that uh, he's going to beat me if not, so I'm going to do whatever I can for that man. He's probably got his whole notes app filled with just pump-up speeches for different situations where we're losing the game. He's got that ready most to go. People, most people's iPhone memory is backed up by photos and strange, uh, strange long conversations and texts. Not, not Dan Campbell. It's just the notepad filling the whole bar. Yep. He's got like twenty pages of losing speeches, and then maybe like two sentences about winning speeches. <laughs> but those those pump up winning things are they're got to be good. They got to be great. Let me do that again. Oh. They're coming. <laughs> oh, don't worry, they're coming. <laughs> He's got the 20 losing pages and then just the two overcoming. <laughs> we win two games and we get to the third one. Like, honestly, guys, I didn't expect to win this game. Like, good job. You know, <laughs> he's rifling through the page and notes like he's on the scroll for his favorite video on Pornhub. Can't find it. He's like, I'm done. Just, I'm done. Just last minute Google a victory speech football. <laughs> it's just very generic. He just starts doing the uh, the miracle on ice speech. He's like, Coach, we know this one. Well done, insert team name. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, bracket, insert team name for end bracket. Lions, yeah. (laughs) That's us, boys.
<sighs> All right, let's get to um, our first segment here. We're going to hand out a game ball to our MVPs on offense and defense, and we're going to hand out a burning bag of dog shit to the big old stinkers of this game. It could go a few different ways. I'll start it off. I'm going to – I mean, I don't really have a question. I don't think we really mentioned Swift too much because, I mean, the stats speak for itself. He had a career game, 144 rushing yards, three catches, a touchdown. I mean, they had no answer for him. And a lot of people say credit the offensive lineman for that, but, I mean – he was making guys miss. He was making plays in open field. You can credit the lineman for, you know, the five, 10 yard games, but he broke up in a couple of big ones too. So game ball for DeAndre Swift, no question. I don't think anybody on the offense was even on his level. Honorable mention, Amon Ross St. Brown for those eight catches, tying that record, but no doubt it's Swift in my mind. But for defense, couple of candidates that stood out to me i had tracy walker and jeff okuda okuda just a great comeback story had a strong game but i've got to give the nod to tracy walker i know he had the ejection which kind of soured his game ball award but the guy was all over the field pass defended you know tackle i think he had 13 tackles he had a sack too he was all over the place got the nod as captain the ejection definitely sucked. I mean, it happens because I know you got to go and make the tackle. Hurts is killing us. So, you know, you got to play physical with him. You know, you can take that penalty, but there's no excuse for being chippy when the guys are getting in his face. They're going to defend their quarterback. Anybody on our team would do the same thing. You can't slap the guy. I didn't think it was, you know, too big of a deal, but you can't be doing that. And then uh, for my game ball on offense, it's got to be Swift, man. 175 all-purpose yards with a tutty. And then the 9.6 yards of carry, that is that is something. Um, let's hope he keeps that rolling. It's probably going to drop a little bit throughout the season because if you end the season with 9.6 yards per carry, you could slap an MVP on the guy as the Lions go 4-13. and 13. <laughs> He's got a chance to be an all-pro player, honestly. I mean – He's top three in the league right now as it sits in terms of yards. I think he has the – he definitely has the most yards per carry. And we've got a pretty favorable schedule and a great line. We'll see if health plays a factor. He's not getting, you know, 20, 30 carries a game or anything like that, but he could get 20 touches, like 15 rushes, five catches. And, you know, that could be enough for him because he is such a big play threat. If the game script changed, he could easily get that amount of carries. But, I mean, when you're playing down, they're going to throw the ball a lot. So that's probably why he only had 11 touches on the ground. But he's adding in the passing game, too. So let's just keep that rolling for uh, the old Swift man. Well, if you look at last year, he had like 30-something touches against the – or 30-something carries against the Steelers. He had 15 in this game against the Eagles, which would have been the second most. So they do kind of have him on a pitch count. There is the injury concern. So you got to keep an eye on him and monitor that. We got Jamal Williams. May as well use him. Uh, for my MVP on defense, it's going to be nobody. Um, you, you, can't, you can't be giving up 38 points and expect to win a game. Um, we talked about the run game, inability to stop it. Everybody's scoring from the running side of the ball on the Eagles. I mean, I've already said my piece about how I feel about Miles Sanders and when he's, when he's doing what he did and all the, the yards per carry. It's just it, nobody. Nobody gets it on the defense. I'm going to give the game ball out for you. Then that is going to be Malcolm Rodriguez. He was PFF's highest graded defender for the lions. I thought about putting him over Tracy Walker, but for the hip toss, that tackle for a loss, six round rookie first game, I thought he had a pretty impressive game overall. So that's who you're giving it out to. Uh, sure. 
Corb, Corb, who are you giving your uh, burning bag of dog shit award to? Well, my I had a ton of options, that's for sure. I'm sure that you have even more than I do. I've got four guys on the list. I'm sure you got 11. But I had it between Goff and Stenberg. Stenberg had a rough game. He was pretty decent as a run blocker, but I can't get past that sack. But ultimately, I'll give it to Goff because of that terrible first half. You know, that's not what you want to see. You can't have any excuses when you're coming out. I don't care if he had one drive. And I know that Stenberg could have had a better block, but you can't panic. Just take the sack, you know, do something else, but you can't just throw it right to a defender and give up that pick six. Ultimately, that is why we lost the game. So Goff gets my burning bag of dog shit. I'm mailing it to him. Goff, if you're listening, I need your address. I'll send it right to you, UPS, overnight. Then we're going to hit up Fiverr and just get a guy in the local area to uh, just light that envelope on fire for him. Maybe film it. Maybe I'll give him a second five. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll set up some hidden cameras. <laughs> so we're going to find out where Goff lives. Pay a homeless guy to light this bag on fire and then pump the internet with content. <laughs> yeah, have the homeless guy take the fall. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Let's hope he has a cell phone. <laughs> we'll get him a burner. <laughs> so we're we're gonna buy. We're gonna mail him a burning bag of dog shit. Buy a burner phone. This whole season's about burning. <laughs> Who's your burning bag going to on offense? I mean, you know what? I just gotta do offense and defense for my burning bag of dog shit award. It is gonna be the Fords as owners. I uh, I don't know what this team has thought they were doing with the ownership. Ownership clearly doesn't give a shit. I mean, they made the move to bring in a new head coach, a new coaching staff, which was a good move, but at the same time. I don't think I'm ever watching the game and, or maybe I'm not paying attention enough or even know what the Fords look like, but I hear all these other owners all across the league. They're getting screen time. They're getting comments. Jerry Jones is in the news every goddamn day, but I just don't think the Fords give a shit about this team. So sell the team, keep them in Detroit, find a new owner. Who knows? Well, you took the easy way out and just said, everybody, everybody fucking sucks. Well, I'll drive in, dive into my defensive burning bag of dog shit, two candidates for me. It's really one guy. Um, I'll mention Hutchinson. I don't think he was terrible by any means. I'm going to, I got to say that again, he was not bad, but he didn't have a game like Trayvon Walker, the first overall pick for the Jags. He had that guy had an interception and a sack in his first game. And that's something that you would have liked to have seen Hutchinson do. And it's tricky playing against a mobile quarterback. There's not really a way to practice for it, especially somebody of Jalen Hurts caliber. But, you mean, I mean, you would have liked to see him show up on the stat sheet a little bit more. That's all I'll say. I thought I'll be fine. He's going to have a great season. I can't wait to see him. I'm his biggest fan. He's a lion now. Putting the Michigan bias aside, he's going to be a dog. But the real guy who I'm giving it to is Derek Barnes. <sighs> him and Malcolm Rodriguez were supposed to be our linebackers of the future. But Anzalone and... Malcolm Rodriguez got the nod. I thought Anzalone, we know what he is. He's a veteran, you know, high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. I thought he had an all right game, all things considered. I saw him making some tackles all over the field. Malcolm Rodriguez, I've already talked about him. But Derek Barnes, I didn't really see him do much of anything. He was kind of our third linebacker in the rotation. And I just saw him missing tackles. Every time I saw him, he was doing something wrong. And so that's not what you want for a second year guy. And Malcolm seems to be way ahead of him at this point with just one training camp under the belt. I don't know if he's, he's the guy I understand you got to get him in there to get some reps, but at this point I'd rather just see Anzalone take the reins. 
overall, I thought the game was okay. We did better than I expected. We covered. I had this circled as a loss, like I said. First half was garbage. We fought back. We came up just short. You know, we couldn't. And another thing is Derek Barnes. He was the guy who missed that tackle on Miles Sanders on third down when we could have got the ball back. Instead, he busts out for 20-something yards, and that's the game right there. But it was nice to see the fans back at Ford Field, the coaches, the Eagles players, staff, beat writers. Everybody was saying that Ford Field was absolutely wild and loud. They couldn't get calls in on the field. So you can see Dan Campbell is rubbing off on the fans. Yeah, like the mistakes, like the Jared Goff pick and the failed onside kick, those were the two things that stand out to me. I don't think that Dan Campbell needs to be taking those risks just yet. I, I like him being aggressive, but I don't think that was the time to do it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. If we would have gotten the ball, I would have declared him a genius. But I think that we were coming back and we had the momentum on our side. For me, I mean, an onside kick, what are we doing? What are we thinking? The, per- the percentage chance of even recovering one is very low. I think it's a very desperation move, and it just has no need in the third quarter. Might have cost us the game, uh, seeing how the final score shook out. But at the same time, you got to appreciate the risk. Um, made the game probably a little more exciting. And like Corbin said, we would have gotten it. Would have changed the whole landscape. So good on him for trying. Still a dumb shit move in my book. Yep. Got to risk it to get the biscuit. Just wasn't ours this time. All right. That's enough about the Eagles. We'll put that in the books, put it behind us. Let's move on to a little bit more of a favorable matchup that we had this week against the Washington Commanders. The old commies. Yep, the old commies. And Putin's heroes. Yeah. You know, once he's done with Ukraine, I think he'll just come over to the the U.S. and buy it from Dan Snyder. He's in hot water as is. I mean, if they're looking for a new owner, Putin's got the cash. He'll have another country in his wing. I think he'll be a perfect candidate. That'll be just an odd land grab. We go from Ukraine to Washington, D.C. <laughs> but you know what? He saw the team named Commies, heard Dan Snyder's in some hot water. He's like, that, that is mine. <laughs> well, the one takeaway is he can't be worse than Dan Snyder, so he might be an upgrade. Which is stunning, but it's true. <laughs> so this is going to be the democracy versus communism matchup. Detroit democracy, commie communism. We're going to have a Cold War all over again. But Commanders is such a dumb fucking name. I mean, I like Washington football team better. I mean, they had the Red Wolves. They had the Red Hogs. Think about the logos you can make with the Red Hogs. Just put some tusks on the helmet. You just That'd be sick. Picture, you just pick a picture of me and paint me red. <laughs> put an apple in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a belly roast tonight. Just roasting you over the spit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do it for my team. Putin gave me a cut of the squad. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt he's going to give you any ownership. That's not what communism is about, Ben. Feeding everybody, I better be getting something. You'll be well fed. Promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just to look back at it, uh, the commanders week one, they beat the Jaguars 28 to 22. Whoopty fucking do. The only team that had a worse record than us last year. The, the commies were three and a half point favorites. Uh, they did end up covering, so... Both us and Washington are heading in 1-0 and against the spread. In all seriousness, I don't think that the commanders are as big of a challenge as the Eagles are. I mentioned it earlier. I had this circled as a win preseason. I still have it circled as a win. Believe it or not, we're favored for the first time in our last 24 games, something like that. So the pressure's on. I don't really like it. I prefer to be an underdog. I like it when people doubt us. 
You know, we don't have as much bulletin board material to go off of this game. I am absolutely stunned that the Lions are favored. Absolutely stunned. I mean, we had a pretty good game against the Eagles. They're Super Bowl darlings. Everybody has them going Super Bowl, winning the NFC East. And I mean, let's be real. It's not like Carson Wentz is, I mean, I think he's all right. I think that he gets a bad rap. I just think that he's very up and down. You don't know what you're going to get with him. You know, he could throw four touchdowns and 300 yards, or he could have 150 yards and four picks and a touchdown. You don't know what you're going to get with him. So I think that's really what it comes down to is how Wentz plays. First year coming over from the Colts, he's kind of been bounced around lately. He's uh, He's been a little shaken up ever since Big Dick Nick stole that Super Bowl for him. I don't think that sat well with him. He had an okay year with the Colts. Um, well, like you said, middle of the road QB, probably like QB 14, 15 in your uh, fantasy rankings. Nothing special. But back to the uh, the Commanders and Jaguars game, I mean, it was pretty close. The Jags were leading for a bit, and Wentz did throw two really bad interceptions, but he bounced back, put the Commanders up, and then the Jaguars had the ball back with a chance to win it. Trevor Lawrence threw a pick to seal the deal. Tommy's there one and oh. I thought the receivers had an RA game. Now, granted, I didn't watch the game. I just kind of read some recaps and caught up on stats in the box score. But Jahan Dotson, rookie from Penn State, Big Ten boy, he had two TDs on three catches. Curtis Samuel missed most of last year with an injury. I think he played five, six games. Uh, he had eight catches and a touchdown. McLaurin, you know, not a lot of yards. He pulled in a touchdown too. So so Gibson got the bulk of the carries, um, and he also had seven catches for 72 yards. You know, everybody going into this uh, game, we were hearing the hot, hot, hot the press that Brian Robinson was going to steal his job and that he was going to be a little dormy on the side. Uh, instead, uh, jury's still out. Antonio Gibson might have had something to do with Brian Robinson getting shot. I don't think so. I think it's just a tabloid. But um, the man took two gunshot wounds, and Antonio Gibson just decided to uh, – Make the most of the situation. He put up a pretty good game after he probably fell on most people's drafts. You can't be mad at the lad. Uh, but once again, uh, the whole thing is going to be stopping the run. So Gibson gets cooking early. It could be a problem for the Lions. You heard it here first, folks. Antonio Gibson put a hit out on a teammate. Bad teammate. Can't have that. Bad culture fit. <laughs> it's the commie way. <laughs> You're better yeah, than me. Was- I take you out. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a bluff all along. I really didn't think that Antonio I didn't think that Brian Robinson was that good to just usurp that job after Antonio Gibson. He's been he's been pretty good, all things considered. I didn't think he had a bad year last year by any means. And all of a sudden he's just in the doghouse with Ron Rivera. He had the lion's share of the carries, seven catches. I mean, it was a pretty good game for him. The lion's share. Interesting yeah. terminology there, bud. But I think that Washington's defense. It's kind of middle of the pack. Two years ago, you know, they had one of the best teams or the best defenses in the NFL. And they still kind of get hyped up like that. But I just don't really see it. I don't think that they've gotten that much better. And without Chase Young, I think it's going to be an easier matchup than we had against the Eagles. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I know it's his second year and he's been a highly touted prospect, but he had an all right game against them. And I think that at least for right now, Jared Goff can have a similar game, if not better than Trevor Lawrence. But I think that our running game is going to stack up well against them. I know that they've got Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the middle. It's going to be tough, but I think that the Eagles have a better D-line and better defense in general. 
And after seeing what Swift did against the Eagles, I expect them to have another big game. I'm hoping to gash them. So what do you think in the uh, final score is going to be, Corb? <sighs> I kind of went back and forth on it, and this kind of goes with my uh, over-under prediction too, but I've got Lions 24 and the Commies 20. Lions cover the spread and get the win. Interesting. Um, I am a little different. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I think a lot of the rust is going to be knocked off from week one. Um and I think what's going to happen is it's going to be commies 20, Lions 17. Yeah, I mean, being the the favorite, it does scare me a little bit. But I do think we're a better team. And I don't think that we're going to really care about being the favorites in this game. I think Campbell's going to have the boys ready to go. And we're going to come out there and smack them in the mouth. Good old Dan Campbell baseball bat to the teeth. All right, let's get into some fantasy matchups here. Um, I'll start off talking about Jared Goff. I think he's going to have a little bit of a better game. I think that he kind of shook the rust off, and I don't expect such a dramatic improvement because I do expect for some adjustments to be made for Washington and for Detroit. I think he'll have maybe 250 yards, two touchdowns, hoping for no picks, and I think he'll just be more efficient, a higher completion percentage, and just more consistent throughout the game. I'm not going to start him. I mean, you've got better options than Jared Goff. I mean, the only scenario I can see it happening is maybe in a two quarterback uh, super flex league, or maybe say you had like uh, Dak Prescott as your first quarterback and you're streaming through the waiver wire. That might be the only instance, but I don't think there's any need to start uh, Jared Goff. Same goes for Carson Wentz. Um, he might have had a pretty good game last game. Uh, four TDs is a lot. I don't know if he's going to replicate that, but. What do I know? His red wide receivers are buzzing. He doesn't have that bad of a three-piece in Curtis Samuel, Dotson, and uh, Terry McLaurin. So who knows what's going to happen. If Okuda steps up, keep him to a minimum, and uh, maybe they can pull it off. Yeah, it'll be a different kind of matchup. It's going to be nice to see more of a pocket passer. Wentz can run it a little bit, but he's nothing like Hurts. So we'll see. I think it'll be a better matchup for our defense just to be able to focus on you know one less thing, not to have to worry about contain as much. We'll see how it goes. We'll get into the running backs here, and I'll take the lead on Swift. I love the matchup. I don't know if he's going to get the volume, you know, 20, 30 carries, but I think that he's going to get a bump in the passing game. He only had three catches against the Eagles. I think we'll see that go five, six catches maybe. But I like Swift to go over 100 yards. And I think that he can do it if he just breaks one play. You know, he can make up half of that just with one run. And Jamal Williams, he kind of vultured two touchdowns for him. So I could see him getting 100 yards and a touchdown at least. I like him. I don't know what the Vegas over-under is for Swift's yards, but I'm likely taking the over on that. He did come out on the injury report earlier this week, but it's a little ankle thing. I think that it's just kind of a maintenance day he's taken off. I expect him to be playing. And... Swift is a must-start in all leagues, no matter what. Um, you got to play the man. Um, Antonio Gibson, on the other hand, uh, I don't know how much he's going to be able to pound the rock. Um, he's not a very big man, but I do see a lot of receiving game out of him. A lot of check downs when uh, all the receivers are covered. Um, get out in the flat, get a bunch of eight-yard uh, catches. Big PPR guy, probably. I, I, I could see you starting him. Maybe not your top two if you got better options, but he's certainly worth a flex play. Moving on to wide receivers. 
Lions, big three, DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Josh Reynolds. Chark's definitely filling in the role as a deep threat while we've got Jamison Williams on the IR. He had some big plays. He had a drop last game, but that was a pretty touchdown catch that he had. I think that I think that Jared Goff is going to be looking for him deep. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's got the streak going. I expect that to keep going. He's Goff's favorite target. Josh Reynolds had a lot of hype coming out of camp, but I don't think he's going to be on your bench. I think he'll be, he'll be on your waiver wire. He might start to do some things in the next few weeks, but he's he's a firm wide receiver three on the Lions, and you can do better. I put Charkin at the flex, no doubt. Amon Ross St. Brown, you can plug in that wide receiver spot, and I'm benching Reynolds, probably cutting Reynolds until I see something out of him. Okay. Washington receivers um... – you're probably starting Terry McLaurin no matter what. Curtis Samuel might be worth a flex play if you're in the deep waters. Dotson, you're going to want to leave him on the bench for now. He didn't quite get the volume that you're going to want. Um, the two TDs, once again, as we said, was very good. And I'm a big Dotson guy, but you just got to wait to see what happens. I mean, Kurt Samuel could go down at any minute. He's not the healthiest guy in the world. And uh, if any of those two go out, you might consider Dotson. But week one, just the eye test, uh, there's not much going with it yet. So we got to wait for some more consistency before we're starting anybody else. Um, Curtis Samuel, though, very good first game. He did have eight catches for eight catches on eleven targets and four carries. Uh, my buddy Corbin coined him as the Diet Debo, which it I thought is. was a neat nickname. Then we'll talk about T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, I think you got to start the guy. Sure, he didn't have the best game. He's a good target for Jared Goff. He's a good safety blanket. I think he's got a high ceiling. This being his contract year, he's going to get some production eventually. For the commanders, um, Logan Thomas, uh, all I remember about Logan Thomas when I was scouting lineups back in the day was he kind of became a little relevant when Jordan Reed went down a while ago, and it's kind of been tops attorney ever since, been injured. Um, maybe he got three targets or six targets for three catches, but maybe he's a red zone target, but you are reaching if you're going to play Logan Thomas. Um, if you're itching to grab someone off the waiver wire who probably wasn't picked up in week one, I would go with someone like Gerald Everett on the Chargers uh, versus the Chiefs. Since Keenan Allen went down, I don't think Logan Thomas is the play. All right, let's wrap it up for the fantasy talk. We've got our next segment coming up, betting with the belly. What do you got for us, Ben? Betting with the belly. The Lions open is 2.5 favorites, which, as I said, I was absolutely shocked. Um, the over-under, I think, is a little high as well. I always take the under. Um I hate to call it a lock because every time I call it a lock, it's going to be wrong. So you might consider fading me, but the belly bet of the week is to take uh, the commanders with a little tease action, get them at about 5.5 for points coming our way, and then tease that uh, over under a little bit to get it to 54. And that bet will come in right around even money. And that is the belly lock. Yeah, you got your intuition, but I got some stats to back up my picks here, Bell. And that's Detroit has won and covered the spread in four of the last five meetings. And the under has also hit in four of their last six meetings. So you got the under part right, but Detroit's covering that spread. I think they can take two and a half. I believe the line got bumped down to one and a half earlier today, but opening at two and a half, I like those odds. I don't care if we're the favorite. I'm taking them. I'm taking the boys. So I've got a four-leg parlay for you. It's going to be the Lions to cover minus two and a half. The under is going to hit under 48 and a half. Lions win from behind. That one I like because I believe that, you know, we do play better when we have our backs against the wall. We got some good odds on that. 
at plus 130. And even though I don't know the over-under on Swift yet, I'll probably take a lower number. But bold prediction, I think he's going to have over 100 yards. I think that this is a big year for him. The coaches have been talking about it all summer. You hear it on Hard Knocks. And they really want to feature him and you know showcase him as one of the better running backs in the NFL. He can be that elite guy. And this is his year to take it. So Lions cover under Lions win from behind and then a swift prop on rushing yards over. I like the swift prop Corbin. I think that's going to be a good bet. Um, if Swift can keep cooking and stay healthy, then uh, Lions team could be trouble. Moving on to our next segment. Uh, every year minus the last two, I do a nice survivor pool. Um, if you don't know what survivor is, uh, what you do is you pick a team to win each week. And once you, if you win and you are correct, it's just straight money line, no spreads. If you are correct, you move on to the next week. The catch is, though, once you use a team, you are not allowed to use it again. So this week was kind of finicky because, um, well, we started off with about 70 people and we're down to 16, which uh, is due to all the upsets. Um, I myself had two entries. I went with the Bengals over the Steelers. And I went with the Niners over the Bears. So I am eliminated from my own pool that took me a month to put together. And now there's only 17 people left, which is what a week one. Um, This might be a quick year based on how many people were eliminated first. Uh, The hot pick that actually worked out was the Ravens over the Jets, which in retrospect, I don't know why I didn't pick that game because Joe Flacco had no business winning that game. Um, Corbin, uh, who did you like in week one prior to the scores? Well, I'm not in this survivor league, but I am in a fantasy league and we do, we do have survivor picks. And normally I like to start off with a pretty safe team. And this year it was Indianapolis versus the Texans. And that did not work out for me either. I lost. It was a tie. That was a bullshit way to go out. I thought Indy had them for sure, but the Texans are looking gritty. So thankfully in mine, I get two strikes as opposed to years where you only get one. So I'm still in it. And I got my picks all ready to go for this next week. Why don't you start it off, though? Um, so for this week, um, it's a little bit of a toss-up. There's a couple games that I do like. Uh, I was a big fan of the Rams over the Falcons, which in retrospect now is kind of risky because uh, Rams didn't look so good and the Falcons held with the Saints. But, you know, I think the spread's around 10 points. I think the Rams are going to take them. Um, another game that I actually think people may get wrong, the Packers are 10 points favorites over the Bears. And based on the Packers look, the Bears might be the upset team of the week and eliminate many of those 17 people left. Um, Other than that, the other team that I thought looked good is going to be the 49ers over the Seahawks. Got to go against my boy Geno. I think Trey Lance has a bounce back game. I don't think Kittle's playing. I could be wrong on that, but um, those are my two picks. All right. Well, I'll give you some of mine here. So I do have that one strike left against me, but I had a bunch of people who got Got strikes against them as well. So I'm going to go a little bit more safe. And I think I'm going to take the Rams over the Falcons. Right now, the Rams are 10 and a half point favorites. I think that they're going to bounce back. It's a home game. They just got their tails kicked by the Bills. And I don't think the Falcons can really replicate it. I think that the Rams are a better team than the Saints. So that's who I'm picking. A little bit of a riskier pick here that I think is going to pay off. The Steelers are one and a half point dogs at home against the Patriots. Mac Jones, questionable back spasm. He, he's probably going to play. But I think if you really want to get risky with it, I think that the Steelers aren't a bad one. They are looking good, but sometimes you just got to take them when they have these kind of matchups. And there's not going to be a lot of other Steelers games that you're confident about. I think this might be one of them. 
you have some better choices for sure, but I think that that's a, that's good value right there, especially on the bets. I, I took the Steelers money line over the Patriots. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Okay. And before we wrap it up, uh, we're going to end every show with a segment called Corbin, how bad do you want it? What would you do for a Lions Super Bowl? I'm going to come up with a little segment and uh, we're going to see what Corbin's responses are uh, this and- week. Corbin, it might be a couple parter here, but Corbin, would you chop off one of your toes for the Lions to win the Super Bowl? That one's easy. Hell yes. I'd chop off so much more than just a toe. Chop the oh. I'll take the foot. Well, I that kills care. my follow-up, which would have been two toes. Now, um, I guess Ten. someone wasn't that good. All right, we'll do yeah. it again. <laughs> this was supposed to be a surprise. I thought it was going to be tough. Okay, no, no, no. Let me come up with something on the spot. Oh, so... My good friend Corbin is definitely afraid of snakes. If you had the choice of the Lions winning the Super Bowl or being in, dropped into a pit of 14 venomous snakes where you have to stand there for 30 seconds without one single tear coming out of your eyes, do you think you could do it? Like straight Bam Margera style? Bam Margera style. And they're sure, venomous? Dude, put, you the, put you at the end of the wind tunnel. And they're venomous. Oh, they are very venomous. But don't worry, we got like Manny, the snake guy from Jackass, on on set, so you'll be rescued. I just want to know, could you do it without crying? So I definitely survive. Uh, well, it's up for debate. The guy's there, but who knows if the antivenom takes? I mean, I would one hundred percent cry. I don't if know, you, man. If you cry, DeAndre Swift breaks his leg. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> All right, oh for one on the segment. Nope, not that one. That was much better than the toes. That was no. I'm snakes, one and one. That, no, that's you. I'm one and one cut. on this. <laughs> snakes cut home from a boy. I understand why he said he couldn't do it. That's fine. No, I'm taking the one and one on this one. I mean, it's your fault for asking and uh, giving me that layup right there. A toe? I, what? A pinky toe? I, I don't care. All of my toes. Hack them up. I'll be a clubfoot little bitch. I'll walk around proud. I'll get smaller size shoes. I don't care. That was an easy one. Thank you for that. The you snake look one. Like you came, look like a long trudge from the Alaskan wilderness in the dead of winter. Just black toes, and we're chopping them off anyway. That's fine. Well, now you've used your allotted snake picks, so we can't do a snake theme from now on. You're going to have to get creative, put some thought into it. That's your homework for next week. But that's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our inaugural episode. Um, we're planning on putting this out next week. We're going to try and do this Monday night, Tuesday night. So we'll have it midweek for you this next time. Most likely we're going to record on Tuesday, have this out Wednesday morning. Please like, and subscribe. We'll be on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. I don't know anybody who listens to any other podcast platform, but we're going to put it on everything that we can. Please give us five stars, leave us a review, download, subscribe, whatever you got to do to jack those numbers up. Once I get a good idea on the analytics on what you're actually looking for, I'll give you some more of that. But for now, just please do everything that you can to spread word around. And we are very open to suggestion. If there's anything that you want to talk about, um, that would really help us uh, just get the show going. Any tips or pointers, you know, uh, this is our first one. So there's going to be a little rust like week one in the NFL. So we're going to come around. We're going to get better at it. And uh, we appreciate the listen. And like Corbin said, drop the five stars, leave us a review. And uh, can't wait to give you some content next week. 
Yep. Any publicity is good publicity. Please tell your family, friends, coworkers, anyone, everyone that you talk to, you know, spread word around because we do want to get people interested. I think we're onto something here. Follow me on Twitter. It's like Corbyashi. That's L-I-K-E-C-O-R-B-Y-A-S-H-I. It's kind of a joke on the stepbrothers Kobayashi scene when he eats those dicks. Yep. DM me some ideas and Arya, you got that tag. Give me a holler. And with that said, 